Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stone Pages Archeo News Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Hansen. Now, before we get into today's stories, it is worth mentioning that, as always, all of our stories are gathered from various places around the web. And therefore, if you would like to find the sources for all these stories, as well as any that we may have missed, you can go to news.stonepages.com. So, with that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and let's get into all of these stories. First off, we have ochre modifications being found in Ethiopia. Then we have a prehistoric site being found off the coast of California. Next, we have modern techniques mixed with the old as we have CGI being used to reconstruct a site in Wales. After that, we have early dog breedings north of Russia. Then we have some Henge news, but sadly not in Stonehenge. This time it's in Warwickshire. Then we go way back in time and to a much hotter country than Russia and look at stone networks in the Middle East stemming from Turkey. After that, we solve our very own murder mystery on bison hunting. And following that, we have a 13,000-year-old arrowhead being found in a field in the northern United States. And finally, we go down to the South Americas where we find the oldest human-made metal object. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, and for the first story of today's podcast, we have evidence of ochre being used in Ethiopia for thousands of years. Now, recent evidence has shown that ochre was used by the inhabitants of the Pork Epic Cave for at least 4,500 years, according to a recent study done by Daniela Rosso from the University of Barcelona and the University of Bordeaux. Now, Pork Epic Cave, for those of you who don't know, lies in Ethiopia, two kilometers south of the town of Diadawa. The results of this study was published in the Open Access Journal, plus one. Now, ochre is an iron-rich rock which is characterized by its red or yellow color and has been found at many Middle Stone Age sites, with the largest collection being found here at the Pork Epic Cave and weighs in at an impressive 40 kilos. The assemblage itself has been dated back to 40,000 years ago, and the authors of the paper presented their study of a sample consisting of 3,792 pieces of ochre, the pieces were studied using microscopy as well as experimental reproduction of the pieces themselves, and this was to assess how the processing techniques were done as well as the production of the tools themselves over the 4,500-year time span. One of the more interesting finds from the study was that the amount of processing techniques changed over the long period of time, namely in that the amount of modifications decreased now, while acts such as flaking and scraping of the ochre pieces is shown to have increased over time, other acts like grinding the tools themselves decreased. This change in focus in terms of the production has been seen as some form of cultural drift. Now, one of the other interesting aspects is that some of the ochre pieces were worked with different grindstones at different times. Now, the authors of the study believe that some of these stones were used to produce ochre powder, which would have been used in some symbolic activities. The authors of the study believe that their analysis of the ochre treatment reflects a, and I quote, cohesive behavioral system shared by all community members and consistently transmitted through time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and for our next story, we have a perfect example of why some construction crews find archaeologists really annoying. This time it is due to a prehistoric site being discovered off the Californian coast. The site was discovered during the rehabilitation project of the historic main ranch house on Santa Rosa Island, where a Native American site was discovered beneath the building. Now, Santa Rosa is the second largest of California Channel's islands, which is about 100 kilometers west of Los Angeles, and it is part of the Channel Islands National Park. 
The house itself was constructed sometime after 1869 and served as a sheep and cattle ranch for more than 150 years. The house itself was lifted to allow for the construction of a foundation to support the house, and within a few days of tunneling, the archaeological monitor found stone flakes, and the work was suspended as a result. Now, it is important to note that the archaeological team who did the study uh, did so under the consultation of the elders with the local Chumash tribe who called the island Wima, which means driftwood. Gary Brown, who is a National Park Service archaeologist, says, There are intact paleocoastal deposits from the south end of the house to the opposite end on the north. Now, he and his team first found a distinctive stone called a Channel Islands Bar Point, as well as a crescent, which are two types of stone tools made from local chert. Now, both were likely used to hunt and fish and represent a sophisticated technology for early tool making on the islands, and they are estimated to be between 8,000 and 16,000 years old. Now, speaking about the tools, we do have an expert on the area, John Erlandson from the University of Oregon, who's an archaeologist there, as well as a leading expert on the paleocoastal archaeology. And he reveals that usually when we find the two of them together, the site is at least 10,000 years old and could be 12,000 years old or older. And he adds that Chumash people and their ancestors have been on the islands for thousands of years. That suggests that these were some of the very earliest people along the Pacific coast, we know now that they were on the islands as early as they were practically anywhere on the New World. The Channel Islands, especially the Northern Islands, are emerging as one of the central places in understanding the peopling of the New World. Now, Santa Rosa Island is also the area where the Arlington Man was discovered, which is the oldest known human found in North America, dating back to about 13,000 years. The team hopes to find clues about the prey being hunted on said islands with said tools. And now for some exciting archaeological news that is more modern, or at least a modern take on an old heritage site. This is specifically a Neolithic tomb in Wales, which is starring in a new CGI film. The work was recently completed, and it brings to life one of the most evocative archaeological sites in Britain. The site in question is the Brian Du, which is a 5,000-year-old Patchage grave on Unismon in Anglesey and it lies in the extreme northwest of Wales, and it is the only known site in Wales where the sun casts a beam of light into the monument on the summer solstice, which occurs this year on Wednesday, June 21st. Now, as part of the project itself, the film shows how the site may have looked during the Neolithic period, and sheds light on the newly discovered rock art panels and the Bronze Age cairn, which surrounds the monument. The film was made using computer-generated imagery and a range of three-dimensional models, as well as laser scanning techniques and it reconstructs the monument as well as 11 rock art panels which stood in the immediate landscape thousands of years ago. The animation will allow the viewers to quote-unquote see the site develop from the Mesolithic age through to the late Neolithic heyday, viewing the chamber, the passage, and the original setting of the famous pattern stones. Now, Dr. Fionn Reynolds, who is the Heritage and Arts Manager for Kadao, which is the History and Environment Service of the Welsh Government, says... The reconstruction is based on data, documentary evidence, and archaeological discoveries. Now, special events have been planned around the beginning of the project's third season of excavation. Friday, June 16th, saw stargazers invited to bring telescopes or binoculars to the site, and Saturday, June 17th, had an open day to celebrate the Neolithic period in Wales, which included live tours of the monument and the open archaeological trenches, flint napping demonstrations, and hands-on pottery making. However, there is a full summer schedule, which is available on news.stonepages.com. 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you will pardon my French, we have some very, very cool news. And these are probably the most um, badass people I've talked about on the Prehistoric News Podcast. But we have Siberian Islands providing earliest evidence for dog breeding. Now, the people in question are the Shokov people of Shokov Island, who were hunter-gatherers some 9,000 years ago and survived the frigid temperatures in animals' contents some 500 kilometers north of Russian mainland. These people successfully hunted large numbers of polar bears without using any firearms, and recent research has also shown that they may have been the first humans to ever breed dogs for a particular purpose, namely to pull sleds. The research was done by Melinda Sater, who is an archaeologist at the Smithsonian Institution of Natural History in Washington, D.C. Now, Ms. Sater believes that the evidence of dog breeding may give an indication as to why ancient populations originally domesticated the dogs. Another Sioux archaeologist from the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in Leipzig, Germany, Angela Perry, notes it fills in a missing piece of the puzzle of early human-dog relationships and even domestication itself. Like many areas in Europe, Shokov Island was once connected to modern Siberia before the sea rose. And in this area, the Shokovians not only hunted polar bears, but also followed reindeer for hundreds of kilometers across the vast plains. One of the archaeologists working on these islands is Vladimir Pitolko, who is an archaeologist at the Russian Academy of Sciences in St. Petersburg, and he supports the theories of dogs being bred for sleds, noting they needed a means of transportation. Now, Patolko has been excavating Shokov Island since 1989, and he has found both dog bones as well as wooden sled remains, but it was unclear to him whether the dogs were bred for sledding. Now, with the help of Alexei Kasparov, an archaeologist at the same institute as Patolko, they were able to determine that the bones were indeed canine in nature, though one appeared to be a wolf-dog hybrid. The Shokovian dogs were, in quotation marks, reconstructed from fossil bones of 11 individuals, and were determined to weigh between 16 and 25 kilograms, most closely resembling the modern Siberian Huskies. On the other hand, the wolf-dog hybrid weighed about 29 kilograms and may have more closely resembled an Alaskan Malamute. Patolko notes that the dogs of this size are big enough to pull sleds without overheating like larger dogs. Patolko's theory is that they may have bred these smaller dogs for pulling sleds and larger ones to hunt polar bears. They were clearly shaping these animals to do something special. Now, the reason for domestication and eventual breeding of dogs has been discussed for some time. Scientists do not exactly agree on when it happened, but it has been suggested to start at least 15,000 years ago. This would fit well with climate changing, leading to less large game, such as madness, and more small game like reindeer. In these cases, dogs could help hunt the smaller prey or even provide means for ancient peoples to track them. The team will reveal the full results in the next Journal of Archaeological Science reports. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, and for our next story, we're going to have a slightly shorter one on a prehistoric henge being uncovered in Warwickshire. This henge has been dated back to almost 6,000 years and was uncovered on a farmland in Warwickshire, England. The site lies in Newbold on Stour and is earmarked for a housing development. Now, a geophysical survey led to an initial dig in 2016, but archaeologists were excited to discover what was originally thought to be a burial mound is in fact a ritual gathering place. Now, unlike Stonehenge, the site in Newbold consists only of the circular space surrounded by a mound and a ditch. The site itself dates back to between 4000 and 3000 BCE 
and its exact purpose is unclear, but Nigel Page from the Archaeology Warwickshire group said it was very clearly ritual. Now, five skeletons believed the dates of the late Bronze Age period were found in the ditch. However, the dating on those skeletons is expected to be completed in mid-June. Now, Mr. Page notes that the skeletons themselves were a rare find, as surviving skeletons in this area is so rare, because the soil conditions just sort of eat the bones. Now for a story you can really cut your teeth on, as a stone tool sharpens focus on networks in the ancient Middle East. A stone tool discovered in Syria some 80 years ago is finally helping archaeologists gain a greater understanding of the networks in the Stone Age around the Middle East. The stone itself is small enough that it can fit in an adult's hand and is dated to between 41,000 and 32,000 years ago, according to the archaeologists Ellery Fram and Thomas Hawk. Now, the stone itself is fashioned out of volcanic outcrops that are found in central Turkey that lie at least 700 kilometers from the artifact site. Now, the dating of the stone makes it almost 30,000 to 20,000 years older than the obsidian stone that was sought to be the earliest of its type to be transported. According to Pham of Yale University and Hawk of the University of Cologne in Germany, the stone tool is most likely shaped into a usable tool near its Turkish source. They believe that the tool was passed from one mobile group to the next before reaching its deposition site at the Yavrud to Rock Shelter. Now, even though the shortest route between the two sites is about 700 kilometers, one must remember that hunter-gatherers are known to meander and roam through the landscape, so it is very possible that it traveled further. As Fram says, they didn't type your brood into the GPS unit and make their way to the rock shelter as fast as possible. Now, the tool was found at the Yabrut site between 1930 and 1933, though its inclusion was thought to be a mistake until it was noted in the lead excavator's book. Um, namely, that it was found in the sediment layers dated to around the time of Neanderthals and ancient humans. Fram and Hauk used a portable x-ray device which determined the chemical composition of the rock and 230 obsidian samples from other sites in southwestern Asia. This led them to the Turkish source. Now, the transportation of obsidian tools outside of the Middle East have occurred in Stone Age Eurasia, and it is based on the discovery of obsidian pieces found in 1966 in Iraq's Shanidar Cave, which originated some 450 kilometers north of the cave. That analysis used an earlier technique for measuring a stone's chemical composition. Shanidar's obsidian finds date to about the same time as that of Yabra II obsidian tool, perhaps to as early as 48,000 years ago, according to Fram. Now, a fun little fact about the story, because it uh, got me thinking about when I started archaeology. Uh, one of the first texts we had to read as a uh, student was a book called Archaeology, Theories, Methods, and Practice by Paul Ban and Colin Renfrew. And in there, there is actually talk of using network analysis on obsidian tools where the origin site was actually Turkey. So this is, uh, this kind of brings me back way, way back to when I started. Um, also great recommendation for a book. If you know anybody who wants to study archaeology, very, very good book. And now for the first time ever on the Stone Pages Archaeo News podcast, we present Stone Pages Archaeo News CSI, or at least, you know, Sort of CSI, um, scientists from the U.S. have helped solve a prehistoric bison hunt mystery. Now, in the summer of 2002, archaeologists excavated an area of Bear Creek in Stanton County, Kansas, USA, 
and uncovered a mystery buried within the gray soil. Now, they uncovered a thick bed of white bone that stretched 40 yards of skeletons that were bunched up shoulder to shoulder. And according to Ralph Mandel, who is a geoarchaeologist from the University of Kansas, what we found was more than a great story. It is a window in time and an ancient testament to human daring. Now, the bison graves predate the invention of bow and arrow, meaning that these bison were killed from an arm's length distance. This is incredibly dangerous, so the hunters used to kill the bison working as an ambush team. Now, the hunters are referred to as Paleo-Indians, which is another name for pre-Native American populations, and they are known to be hunter-gatherers working in bands of no more than 30 people. In these bands, they followed bison on foot and walked for hundreds of miles every year. Now, the bison in question were found 50 yards west of an alfalfa-covered depression, which is called a playa, and is common in western Kansas, and they are often carved by the wind, which then fill with water, which would attract the bison, as it is a neat watering hole. Now, it is believed that the hunters did not just wander around aimlessly, but targeted the playa specifically because that's where the prey would gather. Once the prey was spotted, the group would divide up into two teams, spear throwers and the drivers. The drivers were responsible for scaring the bison into moving and eventually pushing them back into the bank, where the bisons could not move as they stuck in the mud. This would make them easy targets for the spear throwers. Now from the excavations, the archaeologists could determine that the spear throwers would actually hunt from the other side of the bank. Now these hunters must have been very specialized because as Jack Hoffman, an anthropologist at the University of Kansas notes, Bisons are so hard to hunt on foot that you probably need to specialize. You don't just live along a river gathering mussels and one day pick up a sharp stick and hunt bison. And ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode of Stone Pages Archeo News CSI. And I would say that all of these bison got into a sticky situation. Now, speaking of the bow and arrow in the last story, we actually have a 13,000-year-old arrowhead being discovered in Massachusetts. Now, archaeologists from Northampton discovered what they believe to be the oldest artifact ever found within Massachusetts in the United States. Investigations so far in the area have focused on how this artifact could provide information for a broader study of prehistoric life in the valley. Richard Gamley, who is an archaeologist from North Andover and the leader of the team of researchers, said, This is just the very beginning of what will probably prove to be a very important archaeological site. The research began in 2015 following the discovery of a supposed Clovis Point arrowhead that could be more than 12,800 years old. Now, Clovis Point refers to a specific Native American culture known for its stonework. The arrowhead was found by Jason Lobet of Vermont, who is a special educator and amateur archaeologist while he was metal detecting. Lovett, being the astute archaeologist he was, immediately knew what he had found and met with Gramley, who then returned the find to the farm's owner, who then allowed further search of his fields. Gramley has noted, while no more arrowheads have been found, the team has discovered items suggesting that native peoples hunted here in prehistoric times. The most recent trip to the archaeological field revealed not only quartz flakes, but also Hudson River Valley flint, which is known to be the material used for Clovis tools. Now, according to Barbara L. Calogero, the historic utility is revealed by the shape of the rock, which is to optimize the piercing effects of the arrowhead. She notes, the fluting that was found is very diagnostic of folks who were here 12,000 years ago. According to Ms. Calagero, the amount of flakes discovered points to the area being used as a springtime hunting ground, with the riverbanks providing natural sustenance for humans for thousands of years. 
Due to the constant agriculture activity in the area, fines are constantly being pulled to the surface. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the last story of today's podcast, which is actually really, really exciting, uh, the oldest human-made object from South America has recently been discovered. Now, the small, ancient, and rectangular conifer mask was found in the southern Andes in Argentina and dated back to be about 3,000 years old. According to the archaeologist in the area, it has been determined to be amongst the oldest human-made objects from South America, which challenges the consensus that metalworking started in Peru. The mask has been dated back to about 1000 BCE and was found in an area commonly associated with the burial of women and children. The mask has holes marked for where the eyes and mouth would be, as well as openings for attaching the mask. Now, a local copper ore source lies nearby, within 44 miles or 70 kilometers of where the mask was uncovered, which suggests a local production. This would make it likely that metal production in Peru was contemporary with the production in Argentina. Now, other metal objects found in South America have been discovered in southern Peru, and estimated to be around 4,000 years old, with some bronze objects being dated to around 1,000 CE, having also been discovered in the Peruvian Andes. However, determining the origin of these pieces have been difficult. Now, the mask was uncovered due to a summer rainy season that also uncovered a collection of human bones in a tomb near the La Corvada village in northwestern Argentina. The total amount of bodies in the grave is estimated to be around 14 with the bones being mixed and the mask lying in one corner of the grave. The mask itself measures about 7 inches long and 6 inches wide, that is 18 centimeters by 15 centimeters, and it is at least 99% pure copper and would have been cold hammered and then reheated. Due to the mass shape and the age of the object, it strongly suggests a much older metal production than previously thought. Proof of copper smelting and annealing, a process of cooling metal to slowly make it stronger, further highlights the northwest Argentinian valleys and northern Chile as early centers in the production of copper, the researchers wrote, adding that this data is essential to any narrative that seeks to understand the emergence of Andean metallurgy. With that story, we have reached the end of today's podcast, sadly. We have been quite a ways around the world today, looking at the oldest metal object in human history, as well as solving a bison murder mystery. And I'm sure that more stories on uh, the Stone Pages Archeo News CSI section will come in the future as we uncover more murders. For those of you who haven't gotten enough news today, you can always go to news.stonepages.com to find the sources for all of today's stories, as well as any that we may have missed. If you're listening on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review and a rating so we can always get new listeners as well as see what you guys think of the podcast. If you have any comments regarding today's podcast, you can always send them to me at philip at stonepages.com. And without further ado, I sadly must say goodbye and I will see you next time.